Welcome to the Punk Rock Preschool Podcast with your host, Mr. G. For those about to learn, we salute you. Hello, party people. Thank you for joining us today on the Punk Rock Preschool Podcast, where we are changing the world one classroom at a time. That classroom is your classroom. I'm your host, Jared Geller, Mr. G, and today we have a very special episode planned because we are going over how to turn your class of four-year-olds, five-year-olds, six-year-olds into little Aristotles and Socrates. Socrateses. You get the point. Little philosophers by using open-ended questions of the day, teaching them the critical thinking process, the critical thinking skills that will help them throughout their entire lives. So if you've downloaded our free curriculum already, you know that an open-ended question of the day drives the lessons every single day. At least that's how it was in my class. And many of these questions, if you've seen them, are super advanced. If you haven't, don't worry, I'll leave a link in the show notes to download our free entire year curriculum. Anyway, so how can we get four-year-olds to answer super advanced, sometimes college-level, open-ended questions? by teaching them the right questions to ask themselves, by modeling the thinking process for them and helping them know what questions to ask themselves in their own brains so they can come up with these answers without any help by the end of the year. Are you curious? Great. Let's find out more right now. So you want your students to be great critical thinkers, but when you ask an open-ended question, sometimes you just get blank stares in response. It's not that the students don't know the answers to these questions. It's that they don't have the structure to think through the questions, find the answers in their brain, filter it out, and say, oh, this is what I'm being asked. This is how to answer it. So, for example, if you ask your students, what are all the animals that live in the ocean? You might just get the answer of fish and then a lot of blank stares. Now, kids know plenty of other animals that live in the ocean, but being put on the spot in that situation, open-ended, no direction, no support, it feels like, they might just freeze up. So give them that support. That's what we're going to be talking about today. That is the Socratic questioning, is giving them leading questions to help them to get to the answer that you want them to get to, or that is the right answer. So for example, when you're saying, what are all the animals that live in the ocean, and your students say fish, start asking them questions about how, help them remember the other animals that they know that live in the ocean. You can ask specific questions about different animals. What's that animal with all the arms and legs that's, you know, shoots ink out and sticks to stuff. Uh, what's the, what are those uh, big angry fish that, that eat all the other fish? Um, that, that's my description of sharks. Hopefully they get that. Hopefully you got that. Uh, but besides that, start asking them questions like, well, what are SpongeBob's friends? Who, who are some of the animals that live in the ocean with SpongeBob? Who are some of the animals that live in the ocean with Dory, with Nemo, with Marlin? These are questions that, oh, now I start thinking, oh, there's this animal, there's that animal, there's this animal. And then all of a sudden, students are making connections themselves. They're saying, oh, I did know all these animals that lived in the ocean. And I thought for a second there that we didn't, we only knew fish. And now all of a sudden, they're realizing that the whole board is filled up with answers as you help them go through the thinking process because you are modeling the thinking process. That's what we're doing today. You are asking kids the questions that they should be asking themselves helping them make the connections in their brains, relating these questions to their everyday experiences to show your students that they do know this stuff, that they have the answers, but half the battle is making the connection. Socrates said, as I said, we're making little Socrateses. Socrates said that understanding a question is half an answer. Voltaire said, judge a man by his questions rather than his answers. Teach your students how to ask the right questions 
model the thinking process with them and help them. And the things that they will accomplish are incredible. So that brings us to our mindset shift, which our old mindset is these open-ended questions are open-ended obstacles. These questions, they're too hard. I'm getting blank scares. I'm getting no answers. It's very discouraging. That's the old mindset. That's the reasons why people, a lot of teachers or a lot, not even teachers, but curriculums, entire curriculums that are supposed to be guidelines for bringing out the potential and helping our students achieve all they can achieve. These curriculums shy away from this stuff because it's tough. They say, let's stick to multiple choice questions or basic questions. Like, does a bird live in a tree or on the ground? Instead, we should be saying, why would a bird go to the ground? What, what does a bird have to do on the ground? We know birds fly in the sky. What would they be doing on the ground? And then kids can be talking about, oh, they need to build their nests. They need to hunt food. That's really thinking about not just saying, does it live in the tree or the ground? Birds are they're on the trees and in the ground. Let's talk about why they're in both places and have kids just imagine, use their imaginations to figure it out. So that's the old mindset, open-ended obstacles. Questions are too hard. I'm getting blank stares. Can't do open-ended stuff, do multiple choice. But I just explained how we can take that multiple choice question and expand it into our new mindset, open-ended opportunities. It's not about knowledge. It's not about does the bird live in the tree or does the bird live in the ground? It's about making connections. It's about saying, what do you think a bird would be doing on the ground? Why would it need to go on the ground? It can fly. If I could fly, I'd be up in the sky all the time. Then your kids are saying, yeah, if I could fly too. So why do birds go to the ground? Then you're really thinking. And then you can model more questions, more Socratic questioning to help them understand, well, what's on the ground that a bird might need? Can it get food in the, in the sky? And then they'll say, no, it has to get worms or whatever from the ground. And then you can keep going from there. But anyway, it's about modeling and making connections. And I'm, I'm end up riffing pretty hard on this podcast so far and just giving a lot of examples. But I think that's important to understanding what I'm talking about here. Because Socratic questioning or the Socratic method, Socratic teaching, the way that it's described in high school and middle school is not exactly how I'm describing it, which is more like how Socrates used it in, in Plato's Trial and Death of Socrates, where Socrates basically knows the answers he wants to get. And he asks all the right questions to get there. So you know the answers to your question of the day. You know what the right answers are. You're just asking the right questions to help your students get there and get to those answers on their own because critical thinking is such a crucial skill. Making connections to what you already know is the only way to start evaluating new information and new sources, which that's really the new frontier in education because as more opinions get put out there as news is more decentralized, as more information is everywhere, which that's the case with the internet, kids need to be able and people need to know how to evaluate that information and evaluate the sources and say if it's good or not. And the only way to do that is to recognize patterns, recognize inconsistencies, and that only comes from prior knowledge that you already have and applying it to what you're learning in the future. So that's critical thinking right there. And these skills, asking these questions, helping kids ask the questions in their brain themselves. That is, that is the crux of critical thinking. So let's get into some strategies on exactly, I already went over a few examples, but let's get into some strategies on exactly how to ask these open-ended, to ask the open-ended question to start and then get into the follow-up open-ended questions to help your students really understand what critical thinking is and how their brains can be such powerful tools. Strategy number one, explain what is thinking. Make it explicit. I know this may seem like an abstract idea, thinking. How do you explain that to little kids? Well, this is something that I struggled with too, and 
it's actually very important to make it explicit because otherwise, when you say, think about it early in the year, you're saying, okay, guys, like, think about this, think through this. They don't really know what you're saying. They don't really know what you're asking them to do. They, okay, thinking, what is that exactly? Like, they're thinking about what is thinking, which is kind of ironic. And it's kind of hard to peg down in that sense where it becomes a little too uh, metaphysical. But one of my little girls explained it better than I ever could. And this is, this is the perfect way to explain it. One day when it finally did click a couple weeks into school, she, after asking an open-ended question of the day, she looks up to me and says, Mr. G, my brain is talking to me. And I never realized that it was so simple before, but that's how you would describe thinking. It's your brain talking to you. And you have to know what thinking is to be able to think, to say, guys, think about this. That means talk to yourself, talk to yourself inside your brain. If kids don't know that that's what it is, then just saying think about it means pretty much nothing to them. They're just going to be staring blankly more. So students have to know what you're asking them to do. Something as simple as the idea of thinking needs to be explained so kids can do it well. And this isn't a knock on kids. You guys know I think kids have the most incredible potential in the world. This is just using language that's common language so everyone's on the same page, so learning can be done even more effectively, so kids can learn even more because they know what you're asking them to do. And you can't fault them for not having a word like that, especially when you can't peg it down and no one can specifically say, oh, what you're doing inside your head right now, that's thinking. So no, I doubt anyone's ever explained it to these kids because no one ever, I don't remember anyone ever explaining it to me. And when my, my little girl said, my brain is talking to me, it was a paradigm shifting moment for me as a teacher saying, that's probably the simplest, best way to to explain thinking, and that's what we should be doing all the time. Your brain should always be talking to you when a question is being asked or when, if you're not listening, even if you are listening, be an active listener and have your brain talking to you, thinking about whatever it is whoever speaking is saying. Strategy number two, Socratic questioning. And this is a little different, as I mentioned earlier, a little different from the style of Socratic teaching, which is more of a group discussion kind of thing. This is more in line with how Socrates actually asks all the right questions in The Trial and Death of Socrates by Plato. And so if you've never read that, basically Socrates is standing in the town square in the first part and he's talking to some politician and he's just asking him all these questions because he knows the politician's to totally full of it. And so he's just asking him all these questions. He says, oh, well, if you believe in this, don't you believe in that too? And he's, oh, yeah, yeah, I do. Of course I do. And he keeps asking questions like that until he gets him to contradict himself. Anyway, it's not about getting kids to contradict themselves, but Socrates knows the answer before he asks these questions. He knows the answers that he's going to get so he can lead this guy into a trap. For us with our students, we're not leading them into a trap. We're leading them into success, and we know the answers that we want to get, so we have to ask the right questions to help them get there. So when we know the answers to our open-ended questions, but our students may need more direction, they may need more help to help them recall what they know and help them understand how it applies and then apply it, then all we have to do is ask more questions to help them remember. Ask the question in a, in a bunch of different ways. We already do this as teachers quite a bit, but I call it Socratic questioning rather than ask the question of the day five or six different ways, even though that's pretty much what you are doing. Strategy number three, working through Bloom's taxonomy, which in the last strategy, if you heard me, I just said helping students to recall then understand how it, how it applies, and then apply it. So those are the first three steps along Bloom's. So I'm going to give you guys an example of a question that I think works really well through Bloom's, 
is something like what makes a good friend? If you ask your students something like what makes a good friend, that's pretty open-ended and not the easiest concept to, to peg down once again. Doesn't mean we should shy away from this. Definitely lean into these kinds of things because this is what makes students start forming their own opinions. This is what makes that critical thinking process happen where they can back up their ideas with evidence. And that's, that's how you operate in the real world. That's how you can convince other people of what you want or that your way is the best way or that some other way is the best way, whatever it is. So working through blooms, let's go through that question. So what makes a good friend? To help students understand this, ask them, recall, remember, who is your best friend? What's, who are your friends? So then they start saying, oh, here are, all, here are all my friends. Okay, great. Now understand, why are you friends with these people? What do they do that makes you want to be friends with them? Why are you friends with them and not friends with other people? So then they'll start saying, well, they're nice to me and they share their toys or they invite me over to their house. So then you ask them, apply. If other people treated you just as nicely, would you want to be friends with them too? So are these qualities that are universal for all friends or do you just like them within the people that you're friends with now? So when you say, oh, I like my friends because they're nice to me and they share with me and they invite me over to your house. If a new student came to school and they were nice to you and they shared with you and they invited you over their house, would they be your friend too? Is this something that all friends, is this what makes up a good friend? And then if they say yes, then you can start getting into the deeper stuff of the Bloom's taxonomy. So there we've pretty much already answered what makes a good friend? But now we can start saying, well, why are those things important to having a friend? Analyze. How does it make you feel when you have friends that treat you this way? So why do you want friends that do that? Because it makes you feel good is probably the depth of the analysis. I want friends that treat me nicely, that share their things with me because it makes me feel good, because I have fun, because I feel good about myself when I'm around them. These are the kinds of answers that your students are going to be giving, but they're working through these higher level thinking skills and you started at a really open-ended question, and then you're working through, who's your best friend? Recall. Why, do they, why are they your best friend? What do they do? Understand. Apply. If other people were just like this, would they be your friends too? Analyze. Why do you like it when people treat you this way? Then you can say, evaluate. Of all the stuff you said that makes a great friend, sharing, inviting you over your house, playing with you, being nice, what are the most important? What's the most important thing to look for in a friend? Then they're evaluating. So now we're on the fifth step, and then... The final part of the question, create. Make a list and pick the five most important things you want in a friend. So the question I think originally was, what makes a good friend? But we could also have said, what are the most important things to look for in a friend? What are the five most important things to look for in a friend? And then we're creating a list, we're evaluating, we're analyzing, we're applying, we're understanding, we're recalling. And you're just asking questions. All you're doing is asking leading questions, asking these Socratic questions, these follow-up questions. You're working through the entire Bloom's taxonomy, the entire thinking skills spectrum. And all you're doing is asking questions. Pretty, pretty cool. And it started off with a very open-ended, kind of overwhelming question. And now kids can totally articulate what makes a great friend, who their friends are, why they're their friends. And it's also a pretty important social skill, life skill that comes along with it. And these kinds of social skills and life skills will come along with a lot of these open-ended questions because you can, you're constantly applying the concepts and the knowledge to their lives to help them eke out the right answers and eke out the answers that are going to most benefit the class discussion. Well, that's it for the strategies today because it was mostly just examples. 
And if you want more examples for our actionable next steps, head over to punkrockpreschool.com slash 008. Get our free full year plan. It has, if you want some ideas for awesome questions of the day, open-ended questions, this has 175 questions of the day for every day of the year, except for the last week of school, covering 36 different themes. But as I was saying, these questions are much more than the thematic unit that they correlate to. These questions are developing social skills, developing critical thinking skills, developing personal introspection and reflection skills. I mean, they are very, very valuable in a lot more ways than simply content-wise. But nonetheless, they're very valuable content-wise. So actionable next step, start planning the questions of the day. Start thinking of your own open-ended questions of the day and then the Socratic questions to walk through. Download our full year plan for inspiration. Like I said, we have 175 questions for 36 different different themes, different weeks. And start writing out the answers to those questions. Start thinking of the questions that you're going to ask to help your students get those answers. Or if you would like to have all that stuff taken care of for you and have even more of a platform to jump off of, you can buy our lessons on punkrockpreschool.com slash shop. You can download our full health curriculum. We'll have new units coming out each week, but right now we have an eight-week plan up there for $25. It has not just every question of the day, but it has all the follow-up questions for each question. It has all the answers that are good model answers for each question. It has uh, scripted out hooks. It has resources, flashcards, words of the day, posters for a job that relates to each theme. It's got pretty much everything you can imagine for a week's worth of school, and they're available for $5 right now, and then the whole unit, eight weeks for $25. That's two months of lessons uh, for 25 bucks. So hop on over to punkrockpreschool.com shop and check it out. So the changes you can expect to see in your classroom are you are going to have a lot higher level thinking in your classroom when you teach students to start going through the thinking process on their own and be able to model that thinking process. So they start to ask, ask the questions in their own heads, think in their own brains, talk to themselves in their own brains, and then you don't have to do all these follow-up questions by the end of the year. Students are answering, they, they are asking them themselves. So I'll give you a perfect example before we head out. One of my students, when I was teaching them about economics, and you may think that that's a little too advanced, but it's super applicable. Kids want to know how to make money, and so they're they're all in. They're ready to learn, and I'll get into that way later and uh, way more in detail in another episode. But we were learning about economics, and we were learning about supply and demand, and I was talking about scarcity one of the days. And I was saying scarcity is not is when you don't have enough stuff to sell to everybody. And in the mornings, my students, some of them would eat breakfast, some of them wouldn't, so I would have Nutri-Grain bars in my classroom. In case, in case kids needed to uh, to have breakfast, but sometimes kids would eat breakfast and they would still want the Nutrigrain bars, and I would have to tell them, "No, I don't have enough for that." So that was happening throughout the year. So when we're talking about scarcity, one of my students raises his hands, Daniel, and he says, "Oh, Mr. G, I know what a scarcity is. It's like you have a scarcity of of Nutrigrain bars. You don't have enough for the whole class." This was literally two seconds after I taught the word scarcity. He was already applying it, understanding it, recalling it, recalling, understanding, applying to our lives, to the classroom right there. I didn't even think of that example. I was going to use some pizza example, not having enough pizza for everybody. He came up with a way better example, a way more applicable example. He was being a better teacher than I was. He's five years old, teaching the class about scarcity. Let that sink in. And he wasn't the only one. Unbelievable stuff will happen when you start teaching these kids to think Think the way that they should be thinking, teach them the critical thinking skills. And not only will you see kids that are thinking at that level, you're going to see 
parents that are so happy that they have kids that are thinking about the world, that are thinking about how they can make a difference in the world and how their actions affect the world, both positive and negative. And then you're just going to have kids learning, 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 thinking and processing all the time, learning all the time. Another example, one of my students, my first year, actually, he came up to me and says, Mr. G, why are the, cl- why are the clouds moving through the sky like that? And I asked him, why do you think? Um, and he said, I don't know. I guess the wind's pushing them. I said, yeah, the wind's pushing them. He goes, well, the wind must be blowing real fast because they're moving fast. Like That again, super high level for a four-year-old to be saying, doesn't even know why the clouds are moving. 10 seconds later, he's already figured out the answer by just asking himself a few questions and then figured out that, well, if the wind pushes the clouds and the clouds are moving fast, that means the wind must be blowing fast too. Might seem like a simple connection, but if you teach preschool or kindergarten, you know that that is super high level for halfway through a preschool year. Or if you have young children, obviously. So by the end of the year, changes you'll expect to see is that you will have to tell your students to hold up with how fast these answers are flying to these questions of the day. No more blank stares. No more silence. You're going to have to be, guys, slow down. Hold on. I can't get all these answers on the board because you're moving so fast. And that was my experience pretty much every day by the end of the year. Pretty much every day was, hold up, hold up, hold up, slow down. Guys, guys, great, great job. You're doing awesome. But, but y'all need to slow down because this is, you're moving too fast. Y'all are too smart. You're, smart. you're too smart for my hands to be moving. Y'all know too much. So that's what ends up happening. That's what happens when you teach kids how to be strong, critical thinkers. And that's also why it's so important. So some major takeaways from this episode, what to do, start asking open-ended questions. Start modeling the thinking process by helping kids understand the questions that they should be asking themselves in their own brains. Why to do it? Because this builds critical thinking skills. It models the thinking process. It gives your students the, cha- the tools to take on challenges and any circumstances they may face. How do you do it? Socratic questioning. Start with the answer in mind. Know what answers you want your students to get to and then ask them the questions to help them get there. Help them understand that these are the questions they should be asking themselves and that's what thinking is. That's what solving problems is. So when you do this, you're going to have high-level critical thinking skills all throughout your classroom. Kids can be able to handle anything. They'll be able to follow directions. And, I mean, my students last year, they wrote business plans. Each of them wrote a business plan. It was just, that may seem, again, people may think, oh, that's crazy. But listen, they, all they said was, what's a problem you want to solve in the world? How are you going to solve it? Who are the people you're solving it for? Your audience. What's a problem? Your business. What, how are you going to do it? Differentiation. And then what do you need to do it? your materials. And so they all did that. That was not that difficult for them, but you frame it for them to think about things this way. And any kid can write a business plan. This wasn't my students being, I mean, my students were, you know, they were awesome, but any, any teacher can have their kids writing business plans. You don't need to have a business degree. You don't need any of that. And what was awesome about it was that the fifth grade teachers and the fourth grade teachers were asking to use my lesson plans that I was using in pre-K because it applied all across the board. Because when you break something down that simply for kids, then they get it and it gives them the framework to process things through that. So I have all these students that now want to be entrepreneurs that now are always looking for problems in the world that they can solve and solve for other people, that they, things that they can invent to fix things for other people, just using their imaginations to think about the world that they live in and how to apply their own skills to it. So that's what the thing about entrepreneurship and business plans, those are the results, not the I'm going to get into the business stuff, even though I did quite a bit this episode, but it's important to understand because these kids want to make a difference in the world and they want to use the things they learned to do it. And that's what that was a vehicle to do. 
So you'll never see these blank stares anymore. Instead, you're going to be having a total blitzkrieg of answers, and you're going to help your students become the strongest critical thinking thinkers that can make connections, that can evaluate the world on their own, and no one has to make these connections for them. They can read the news and figure out what's going on. They can look at the world and figure out how to solve problems. They can come up with inventions. They can come up with ideas, and they can use all the things that they learned in school to make the world a better place, which is really what it's all about. Thank you for listening, and I hope you are one step closer to making the classroom of your dreams come true. Please follow us on social media, and don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and our email list. Please leave a review, leave a comment, tell us what you think, and don't forget, go to punkrockpreschool.com, so 008, to get our free full-year curriculum. This is like a 100-page document. It has everything you need, literacy, math, socio-emotional standards, and then 175 questions of the day to help your students develop critical thinking skills that are just going to take them way past anything else that they'll probably learn in school. Critical thinking is probably the most crucial skill more than any actual content is knowing how to look at the world and how to get information and how to process information rather than just the information itself. So go to punkrockpreschool.com slash 008, get our freebie, download it. And if there's anything you want me to discuss on future episodes, please reach out. Let's work together because together we are changing the world one classroom at a time. Until next time, keep rocking.